story, I automatically, because I usually think of this anyway, but I automatically think about basketball. I think about March Madness and how so often we see these Cinderella teams and, and these underdogs that came out of nowhere. And I got to thinking about one of them from this last year's um, that upset one of the perennial giants in the, in the NCAA basketball world. And this team that beat them was Middle Tennessee State. Yeah, I hadn't heard of them either. So they played Michigan State in the tournament. And follow with me here. So basically, there's some different regions because there's 64 teams that come into the tournament. I think it's actually a little bit more because they got to play in game. Irregardless. That was for you. They're going to be like, Pastor, that was not right. Okay, so 64 teams, and they put them in different regions. And so there's 16, would that add up right? Yeah, 16 teams in each region. And so they're ranked from top to bottom. And so Middle Tennessee State, they were a 15 seed, and they ended up playing Michigan State. Michigan State has won the tournament before. Um, Middle Tennessee State has not. Um, So it was a real David and Goliath matchup. It was a real underdog story. And Middle Tennessee State actually upset Michigan State. And it was huge. It messed up a lot of my brackets that I filled out because even though Michigan State was a two seed, in my eyes, they were a one seed. They were definitely, they had shared that top spot um, throughout the year as the number one team in the nation. So when this upset happened, it just wrecked my brackets. But at the same time, even though that happens, um, and I'm sure some of you can agree that fill out brackets, um, it still, I kind of enjoyed seeing that. Like this team out of nowhere and they came and beat this perennial giant. Um, so they were definitely an underdog. And that's what I think about when I think about this story. The fact that there were a lot of other options that came before Samuel, but they weren't the chosen ones. And so that's where I want you guys to think about this morning. Not about basketball, but how that correlates with it. I just love basketball. So that Middle Tennessee State, see, they weren't even supposed to be there. And the thing about how the tournament works is, is I believe, yeah, Middle Tennessee State won their conference championship. And since they won their conference tournament, they automatically got into it. So by all the votes and all the polls and different people that said they should be there, they shouldn't have been there. But since they played good in their conference tournament and won it, they automatically got in. So they were not even supposed to be there. I mean, a complete underdog, somebody that wasn't even a thought of getting in, except for the fact that they showed up and they arrived when they were supposed to. And they came out of nowhere. It's definitely an underdog story. So we see in verse six, And this was, like I said, Samuel was called to the house of Jesse because the Lord had spoke to Samuel and said, I'm going to send you here because I want you to anoint the next king. And so when they arrived in verses six and seven, I'm going to go into, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely this is the anointed stands here before the Lord. And see, he was the oldest. So he was... In Samuel's eyes, he was the easy pick. He'd been around the longest. Um, he was the strongest. He was the smartest. This was, this was all an exterior approach from what Samuel could see. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things a man looks at. And I think at this point too, You know, Samuel is called here to do this, but I feel like the Lord's like, okay, prophet, I'm going to show you something here. You may think that it's about what it looks like on the outside, but the truth is it's about what it looks like on the inside. 
Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And that's the thing. Samuel's like, well, this, this looks like a perfect option. This looks like a viable option. This would be my number one pick. And the Lord's like, well, it's not about what you want. It's not about what it looks like on the outside. Because you don't know it about the work that's going on, on the inside. You don't know about the relationship that he has with me. You don't know at his very core, at his heart, what's going on. And God reminds us here on what he said to Samuel that it's not about what we want or we think. It's about what he wants. That's a good reminder. Okay, I'm going to go into verse 8 through 10. Then Jesse called Abinadab. I don't know if that's pronounced right, but that's what I go with. So it could be totally wrong. And had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass by Samuel. But Samuel said, before Samuel, but said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. Seven sons. He's like, well, surely this is going to be it. Nope. Surely this is going to be it. Nope. Surely this is going to be it. Absolutely not. Those were all the possibilities that Jesse had put in front of him and that Samuel thought would be the next king. And I don't know if you guys know this kind of stuff or not, but the number seven, does anyone know what the number seven means? It means completion. And in this instance, it was a complete no. <laughs> An absolute complete no. I'm going to read verse 11 because I feel like this is where I need to go with this. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So... It's like Jesse was like, well, these are all the ones that I would pick. This is all the ones that I would choose. He's like, is this all of them? And you know Samuel's confused here. You know he's like, I know you sent me here to anoint the next king. But we've already went through all these options. And I, I don't understand what I'm doing here. You know he's got to be confused at this point. So that's why he asked that question. Is this all of them? And Jesse's like, well, yeah, well, I mean, at the youngest, David, I mean, he's out there, he's tending the sheep, he's doing his work. David wasn't even a possibility. He didn't even get invited to be in the house, to be a possibility. You talk about underdog. He didn't even get to be present in that. And the thing I love about this is, God wasn't going to move until the one he chose arrived. Some of you may not realize it, but there may be some things in your life that are stagnant, that are not happening, that are not going the way that you would see for them to go. And the truth about it is, in this word is, until you show up, God's not going to move. I know. 
until you follow through with your commitments, until you are obedient to what he has spoken into you, until you arrive, God's not going to move. And it's not that God doesn't want to to bless you or want to take care of a certain situation, but if your obedience doesn't line up with what he said, then stuff's not going to happen. That thing's not going to move until you arrive. He's just waiting on you to arrive. He's waiting on you to say yes. He's waiting on you to pray about this. He's waiting on you to fast about this, to pray without ceasing, to be obedient to be committed to what he said to you and what he's spoken to your life. There are opportunities, there's positions, there's jobs, there's places that God has called you to be and he's just waiting on you to show up. He's waiting on you to become the person that he's created you to be. He's waiting on you to follow through. And the thing about those places and those jobs and those opportunities is that there's people there that need to see Jesus. And you may be the only key to it. They may not see Jesus to anyone else because God chose you. Because he chose you to be in that situation, in that time, in that place, in that season, in that mission field, at that job, at Walmart, at 10 o'clock at night, He chose you. He wants to work through you to be the key to somebody else's salvation. And he's just waiting on you to arrive. Just waiting on you to step up. Waiting on you to be the man of God he's called you to be. Waiting on you to be the woman of God he's called you to be. And I mean a dedicated, obedient, focused, moldable servant of Christ, willing to do whatever it takes, willing to go wherever he calls you to go, willing to submit, whatever that looks like in your life. I don't know. I didn't know mine would look like this. I know that. We have to be a generation that instills in our children these values because it seems like the further we go down the road, the more God gets taken out of the equation. And we see that in the world, but it makes it much more important for us to be able to instill this dedication and to follow through and these kind of things in our children, because if we're not teaching them that, then the world's going to teach them the worldly ways. And I mean, come into church. Parents, don't let church be an option for your kids. Because I promise you, if it's an option... It'll be a viable option. We've got to teach these to our kids. This isn't in my notes, but it reminds me of, um, we had a deal not too long ago with Caston wanted to be a part of something and, and we got there in that place and, and, and he got nervous and didn't want to follow through with his commitment. And I'm the one that messed up on this. Thank goodness for mamas that are strong and firm. 
And I was ready for him to be like, okay, son, if you don't want to do this. And Brooke's like, "Uh uh-uh. If you let him quit this now, he'll quit everything for the rest of his life. I didn't take it very well at the start. Just being honest, transparent. That's who I am. I'll always be that way. I didn't, did I? Brooke's like, amen. So, (laughs) but she stepped in and she's like, no, we got We got to instill in him that he, if he's committed to something, if he's given the time to do it and the sacrifice and we've sacrificed and people have spoken into him about it, he's going to follow through. So I know that spoke to me because I got to do a better job of that. Okay. Let's go into 12 and 13 now. So he sent, okay. So this is after he sent for him. Remember stuff's not going to happen until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. He's the one I chose. Not what you chose. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. So, you know, he was kind of put to the side. He was kind of forgotten about. He wasn't really put in the limelight. He's just out there doing his thing, working the sheep. Said he was always writing songs. He was different. He was kind of a outcast maybe in the family's eyes. I don't know how that translated into the people around them if they thought that as well. Didn't even let him be an option. He was an underdog. Maybe some of you have been labeled an underdog. Maybe based on circumstances of some of your choices you've made or maybe some of your family's choices that have been made that you didn't have any control in. You might feel like an underdog, maybe underappreciated, maybe left out of the equation. But let me tell you something about the circumstances that define you. I'm going to tell you some truth about it. You're not defined by your circumstances. You're defined by where you are in your relationship with the one who is bigger than your circumstances, is bigger than your problems. You're defined as one of the people that Jesus hung on that cross and died for. That's what you're defined by. You're not defined by your circumstances. You're not defined by what other people think of you based on choices you've made or just the family you're associated with. That's not what defines you. You're defined by the one that did all those things for you. You're not defined by the thing that people has made you out to be. That's not the truth. So I'm talking to anyone who's been overlooked, undervalued, marginalized, perhaps the gifts that you have been given that you feel like you want to share have been missed by people who didn't see it and didn't see the true value of who you feel you are at your core. And here's the thing. It's not about what you look like. It's not about where you come from. It's about what your heart is full of because that's the desire of God's heart. That's declared in the promise of this word. He said, I don't don't 
care what you look like. I don't care what's on the outside. I don't care about who you come from, who you're associated with. It's about the heart. It's the inside that matters. That's something that is really forgotten today. And a lot of people are really confused about it. And a lot of people are judging others from, from whether cultures they come from, whether they're racist. It's all rubbish. It's all garbage. It's about what's on the inside that matters. Because that's what God cares about. And if we're to line up with what God cares about, then we should stop looking on the outside and start looking on the inside. Here's another thing. Don't get upset. Don't get upset because someone didn't see you. Didn't see your potential. Didn't see what you can bring to the table. Didn't see the gifts that you feel like the Lord wants you to give and share. Bear with me with this one. I've been praying about this one a lot. Maybe they didn't see you because they couldn't see you. You're like, where are you going with this? Maybe God, maybe God hid you from them because he doesn't want you needing validation from outside sources. And he wants you to be secure in who he created you to be. Sometimes we act like we need validation. So if I'm speaking to you, listen on this one. It's not, it's, not, it's not about validation. It's not about boasting self. It's, a, it's a, to walk this walk and follow Jesus and to be more Christ-like is to die to self. It's more selfless and less selfish. We shouldn't need validation. The Lord doesn't want us to be validated. So maybe instead of getting upset about not being seen, you think about that. Is it because you're wanting validation? I've been that way before. I'm just being honest with you guys. I have been. Not now, but when I was younger, when I wasn't following the Lord, when I was in the world. I wanted to boast self. I was definitely selfish. You see, God doesn't call us to be validated to serve Will you serve where you're called to serve if nobody knows your name? Will you still serve even if you don't get an award at some banquet each year? You see, God's calling up leaders to serve when no one is looking. Because if you serve when no one is looking, God will give you favor when everyone's looking. Because he says you've done it the right way. You've went about it with the right approach. You've lined up with my desires. And so now I want people to be able to see this is how I want you to be. See, things really change quickly for David. And you see, God's timing is always perfect. Even when we don't understand why he puts us through the things he puts us through. We must trust that God is in control always, always. And praise him always. Just like in that song that Kay shared. No matter what, no matter what we're going through. A lot of times we go through difficulty because God is stretching us and testing us and growing us and preparing us in the calling that he has for us. It's like, yeah, I know, Pastor Sean, I've heard all that before. But you see, the reason why he does that is because he wants our character 
to match our calling. You ever thought about it like that? He wants our character to match our calling. I know in that time span, last year, I got to think now of the dates. Yeah, I know it was 2015 because I can always go with NYC. Um, from the time from March to June was the space between me submitting fully to the call. But the truth of that story is, is in March when he started to lay it on my heart that he wanted me to preach. I say that, you know, I did run from it and I was scared of it. And I, so I don't want to make it like the reason why it didn't happen was just because I was scared. I was praying about it and I was praying for guidance and I was a part of men's encounter and, and the Lord was having me speak in front of people. And this is not what I wanted to do. Um, I still don't want to do it, but it's what I'm called to do. No, I want to do what the Lord's will is. So in that time frame. I was praying about this and, and there was a lot of difficulty that happened in there. Brooks like, amen. And I'd lost a job in there that we thought for sure this is what God had for us. And I still had that voice in the back of my head that was like, when I started at that job, when he called us closer to home, the Lord was like, this is temporary. And I was like, Shh, stop it. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready for this. And so he was testing us in that and, 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 and losing that job. It was like, I, I just came to Brooke that night and I was like, they just let my whole department go, including me. And I just cried to her and Brooke's like, it's not a big deal. The Lord's going to take care of us because she knew we were in the right place. We were doing the things that we needed to do. We were lining up with his will and his desires of his heart. And we just started to begin to pray and we saw some mighty miracles happen with that. I think the next day they, and they weren't going to do this, but they provided me with a severance package the next day. And then we were praying about selling a car. And I think probably within six hours of praying about that, we sold this car that we didn't need anymore. And the Lord showed us favor on us in that. But he was also stretching me. He was also testing me. He was also preparing me to line up and have the character that matched his calling. And his timing was perfect on that. And it always is. And it's no accident that when I lined up with that and his timing, he said, okay, this is exactly what I'm going to do. And it was like a month we were here. Had a house. God called us to this church. Pastor Brian and I, he'd already had us on his mind and didn't even know what we were going through. It's no accident. But he was waiting in that time for my character to match his calling. So does your character match your calling? Because you might be in that time frame. You might be in that space between maybe fully surrendered or just God is just stretching you and preparing you to match up with the calling he has for you. And if you're wondering what he has for you, this is what I do. I always take a look at myself. I take a look at my life. I see where I'm at. I'm seeing where my faults are, where my difficulty is. Because sometimes he's just waiting for you to arrive. He's waiting for you to be the person that he's called you to be. Remember that. God wants your character to match your calling. And you see, David was chosen by God for God, despite the fact that he was the least of his family. He wasn't even invited in the house as a possibility. It just blows my mind. But he's different because he keeps to himself. He's different because he doesn't 
and get in the limelight. He's different because he's the least of them. He's looked down on. If you notice when he comes up to the house, this doesn't say anything about it in here. This is what I feel in my spirit though. It doesn't, this is what I thought. I thought practically, well, he's going to come in from tending the sheep, probably just covered in dirt or mud or dust or sheep crap. I don't know. Oh, sorry, babe. I shouldn't say that word. Um, <laughs> I'm terrible. But the way I look at it is, is it's like, surely there would be some kind of space in there where, well, he's got to clean up. I mean, he's got company. And back then it was, when you had company, it was a pretty respected thing. And people would put on their best clothes or robes or whatever they were then. I don't know. I lost my thought there. But they would, they would prepare their best calf. They would, do, they would do their best to facilitate their company, especially knowing that a prophet's coming. I'm sure that kind of elevated things a little bit. So you would think that there would be something in here showing that, David came in the house and he got cleaned up beforehand. That's not what happened. It doesn't say anything about him getting cleaned up. I think the reason why God showed me this is for the reminder to us that we don't have to be clean to go to God. There is this lie that the devil spins in our minds that, well, I'm going to go get this right. I'm going to get myself fixed. I'm going to get myself cleaned up. I'm going to get right. I'm going to act right. I'm going to do better than this before I come to the Lord. And the truth is, if you're waiting to come to the Lord until you do all those things, you'll never get to the Lord because you can't do it yourself. You need God to clean you up. I tried for a long time to do it myself. It didn't work because I had it backwards. He didn't come in and say, well, I better get cleaned up. I better, I better get myself together. No, you're getting anointed. This is it. This is done deal. This has to happen before you can become that. You come to God with how you are. You come to him as you are. You come to him with your filth, your transgressions, the past sin, um, everything that it looks like on the outside so that he can clean you up and he starts on the inside. It's a lie that the enemy's been speaking to us for a long time. But I just really want you to get that message that you can't get clean before you come to the Lord. You come to him to get clean. Lance, will you come up here, please? God's calling people that can serve without validation, that are focused on what's on the inside instead of distracted by what's on the outside. He's calling for people who are willing to come as they are in their mess, in their sorrow, in their difficulty, in their transgressions, in the things that they're ashamed of, in the things that they're not proud of, in the things they don't want people to see about them so that he can clean them, so that he can cleanse you, so that he can take those things away, so that he can forgive you, so that you can match the character of your calling. Isn't it time for the chosen to arrive, to step up, to be who God has created you to be? God's still God. God's waiting on you to fulfill that. God's waiting on you to step in, to arrive. Remember, God wasn't going to do this thing until the one he chose arrived. You've been chosen for God for a purpose. And God wants to do things in and through you 
so that he can draw more people to him. Another lie is you're illegitimate. There are no illegitimate children, just illegitimate circumstances. There are no accidental lives. You can't sneak into the earth. You have to be spoken into the earth. You have a purpose, whether your family was there for you or not. Irregardless, if people didn't want you to be where you are, you're there for a reason. God wanted you here. God is calling you. He's calling all of us to be the movement of God in this time, in this place, for his purpose. God wants to pour out his anointing on you just like he poured it out on David. And he's just waiting on you to arrive. He's waiting on you to step up. He's waiting on you to be who he's created you to be. He chose you while you were in your mother's womb. And now it's time for your character to match your calling. It's time to step up. We're going to have a response time now. And guys, I don't know what's going on in your lives, but I know that God, God wanted this message to be spoken. And listen, if you're an underdog, if you're somebody that hasn't came through with who you If you haven't showcased the gifts that God has given you, and not in a way to validate yourself, but in a way to further his kingdom, God's calling you to step up. He's calling you to arrive. Stop worrying about what everyone thinks. That's fruitless. It's not about what other people think. think. It's not about what other people think. It's about what God's called you to do. We got to focus more on eternally instead of the temporary. God's calling people all over the sanctuary. Will you answer? Will you step up? Will you surrender to his will for your life? It's not easy, but it's important. What will your response be?